welcome to the Truly Twisted Minds podcast. My name is Amber. And I am Trish. As always, we would like to thank everyone who's giving us a listen today and encourage all of you to follow and comment on our Twitter and Instagram pages at Twisted Minds Pod, all lowercase, all one word. We would love any feedback you could give us and any suggestions on future cases you'd like us to cover. Please give us feedback. Today, we will be covering the murder of Cassie Jo Stoddart, as perpetrated by Brian Draper and Tori Adamchik. And we uh, would like to dedicate this episode of Truly Twisted Minds to the memory of 16-year-old Cassie Jo Stoddart and her family and friends. We would also like to put out a disclaimer that we're going to be talking about some pretty graphic details about Cassie's murder today, so listener beware. Yeah, it's not pretty at all. No. And with all that being said, we're going to just dive right in. And Trish is going to start us off. Okay, so Tori Michael Adamchik was born on June 14th, 1990 to parents Shannon and Sean Adamchik in Pocatello, Idaho. And by all accounts, he had a pretty decent childhood and upbringing. I believe he was an only child. Um, in our research, I don't think he had any siblings. I didn't spot any anywhere. Yeah, he um, had a love of movies, which, you know, cool, whatever, especially horror movies. And his favorite was 1996's Scream. I'm like, okay, whatever. He really <laughs> enjoyed that franchise for whatever reason. Yeah, right. And when he met Brian Draper, he kind of appeared to take Draper under his wing, and the two became fast friends, because they were kind of both into the whole horror movie thing. And Tori was friends with the eventual victim, Cassie Jo Stoddard. And um, she had been friends with a lot of people. Yep. Which I will interject now with what I know about Brian Draper's early life. Brian Lee Draper was born on March 21st, 1990. Um, his parents are Pam and Carrie Draper. He spent most of his childhood, which was by all accounts a good childhood, in Utah with his family, his mom and dad. And he had a sister. I couldn't find her name anywhere, but he had a sister as well. Um, but they moved to Ponticello, Idaho. Um, when he was in high school. That was when he met Cassie Stoddard. And Cassie, as Trish just mentioned, was a very nice person. She was friendly with all students, and she didn't, like, shun anybody. She was friendly with everybody. Mm -hmm. And she didn't treat Brian like he was invisible. And for Brian, that was big. He kind of felt like the rest of the students treated him like he didn't exist and he kind of had this complex about it and he felt like shunned and I don't I mean I don't know that he was bullied or if he was just completely ignored but it yeah. really had an effect on him yeah he was a bit sweet on her I believe but um so, yeah since Cassie was really really nice to him she uh was the uh object of a crush which Brian. I can relate. I was like that in high school as well. Yeah. It can it can be like that, especially if you feel like unnoticed or 
mm-hmm. down about yourself. Yeah. If someone's really nice uh, nice to you, it can make you feel a certain way, especially when you're in your teenage years. Yeah. Um, unfortunately for Brian, though, Cassie began a relationship with Matthew Beckham. And Brian remained friends with Cassie, but he was very disappointed that it wouldn't go beyond friendship for them. However, he did keep his crush a secret. He didn't mention it to anybody else. He just went on as he went on. So Brian also met Tori and they kind of were, he felt they were like kindred spirits and he was the same type of outlier that he was. Mm-hmm. And they bonded over their love of horror movies, and they both wanted to make their own films. Cool. Also, to be noted, Brian did have a bit of a hero worship thing going on over Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold, who, if you don't know, are the uh, shooters from the Columbine High School massacre in 1998. That is so... Disturbing? Very disturbing. He kind of found it, like, he saw himself in them to an extent because they were also outsiders and not popular. And they, in his eyes, they took it into their own hands and got the attention. They made sure they wouldn't be, you know, they'd be noticed and they wouldn't be forgotten. Right, right. Now, by all accounts, that's uh, that's a scary way of thinking. Yeah. And you think about this and you've got to wonder if that hero worship and the love of horror flicks just kind of melded for them. And then Brian and Tori becoming friends became a perfect storm. And they went from trying to like make their own movies and then their idea kind of moved on to reality. Yeah, it's like fiction to reality type of deal. Instead of making a movie, let's actually do something about it. Yeah, and kids that feel disenfranchised and want to be noticed and feel like that's their only, only option is a recipe for disaster. So, Tori had told Cassie uh, that he was going to be making a horror movie, and she had actually asked to be in it. Oh. Cool. He had even given her a rough draft of his script a couple of months before the murder. Um, He was always walking around school with his video camera. And he and Draper would jokingly pretend to stab and, like, strangle each other for the film's sake. So people basically just always thought they were joking around. Right. Like, they'd hear, you know, them talking about, you know, stuff. and They didn't really take it seriously. Like, it was a serious threat. Right. And, hmm, where did we last hear this? Gee, I don't know. Sheila, Eddie, and Rachel Shove. It's like, good lord. (sighs) Right? So they, like I said, decided to make their movie into reality and began planning a murder. They really, really, really wanted the attention and the infamy that would come with them committing such a crime. Mm -hmm. And 
they intended to have it be a series of killings. They wanted it to be serial killers. And they videotaped themselves planning and all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And they decided they wanted to be smarter than Bundy and the Hillside Strangler. And kind of wanted to see themselves as more like the Zodiac Killer. Like people would find these tapes years later after they were dead and blah 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 and nope delusional were they very much so (sighs) so on december 21st 2006 they decide on a victim you did say december i told you you said december earlier sorry september I can read. We were, just to clarify, we <laughs> were a proofreading and I had her read hers out. And uh, I had thought that... she said December and she said, no, I said September. I'm like, really? I'm pretty sure I heard December. No, I said September. Okay. Well, here December, we go. December, September. You know, same, same, no big same deal. <laughs> anyway. Any who's it? Sorry. September 21st, 2006. They decide on a victim their own friend cassie stoddard now i'd like to kind of add in there in case you don't have it i mean i could Mm -hmm. be stepping on your toes here but um she was not the original intended first victim no she was not and i can't remember they didn't release the names of the other people in the in things i read it was a jane Jane doe Doe one jane Jane doe Doe two two. type of thing okay because they were because they were underage and all that yeah but yeah by the accounts on their um, video mm-hmm. that was found later on, which we'll go over. She they, was like, what, the eighth or ninth person? They had failed like nine times, I believe. Jeez. Like, they'd either find somebody that wasn't home or wasn't home alone or they'd be home alone, but their parents would show up and they just it couldn't get just it together. not, yeah. So they decided this, this uh, situation was handed to them. On a silver platter, they'd heard she was going to be house-sitting for her aunt and uncle while they were out of town. And the boys were friends with Cassie's boyfriend, Matt Beckham, who obviously they knew from school. And Tori had contacted Matt to see if he wanted to go out with them. Uh, But he told them that he was going to go keep Cassie company while she house-sat. So on December 22nd, 2006... December again? Really? September. September. I'm Bro. sorry. Wow. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> I have December on the brain. I'm sorry. September. September. We don't skip from summer to December. No. To Christmas time. Any who's it? Anyway. September 22nd, 2006. Brian records Cassie on the morning of the murder asking her to say hi to the camera. And then asks if she'd seen Tori, to which she didn't respond. She was just like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then around noon, uh, the boys again filmed themselves talking about the murder during their fourth period class, which they claimed to have skipped. Yeah, apparently they were um, in the library or something. And you could hear them like pausing and saying stuff about, oh, she can hear us, she can hear us, like. Like, there was a teacher or somebody nearby. Mm-hmm. So they were trying to stay, like, un- keep themselves under wraps or whatever their plans. Yeah. But then they'd start talking about it again. 
Yeah, Brian was uh, doing most of the talking in the video while Tori was working on their quote-unquote kill list. That's and comforting. Brian even went so far as to apologize um, for Cassie's murder to her family. Yeah, that was kind of sick and twisted, just a tad. Right? And then they look all excited and amused, which to me screams sicko. Mm-hmm. I mean, who the hell does that? There it is. <laughs> I was like, where Gotta am I get gonna... at least one in during where the podcast. Where am I going to put in my catchphrase? Right there. <laughs> Anywho. Anyway. So they go over to Cassie's aunt's house at around 8 p.m. And she hadn't had any idea that they were coming. Of course not. Over... Uh, but apparently her boyfriend had mentioned something about a party, and that's why they had come over, mm-hmm. quote-unquote. When the boys arrived and realized there was no party, just watching movies, they left after about 30 minutes. And then about 15 minutes after um, the boys had left, the power goes out to the house. Dum, dum, dum. And Cassie was understandably freaked out. I mean, hell, I would be too. It's like, you know, there's no storms or anything. It's like, why the hell is the power going out? Right. So Matt got up to check the fuse box, but before he could get downstairs, the power came back on. Fishy, fishy. Right. And at around 11 p.m., his mom came to pick him up. And he had pleaded with her to allow him to stay the night with Cassie as she was freaked out about the power outage. But she, of course, said no. Mm -hmm. You know, 16-year-olds. Yeah, she didn't want to leave her kid there to do the hippity-dippity with his girl. Yep. She did, did, however, offer to allow her to stay at their house for the night. And when Matt relayed this to Cassie, uh, she had declined, stating that she had a responsibility to take care of the house and the animals because she was actually there uh, pet-sitting. There's three cats and two dogs that she had been watching after. And then um, just a quick note about the dogs. One of the dogs had kept going to the top of the stairs of the basement and barking and then coming back to where Matt and Cassie were in the living room. Kind of like it was saying, hey, trouble's down here. Mm-hmm. And they kind of just disregarded it. Yep. Sad face. Yep. And I really kind of wish she had gone with them, but God, who knows what they would have done to the animals. Oh, God. I don't even want to think about that. I mean, it's bad enough what they did to her. I mean, that sounds horrible, by the way. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's no indication they would have harmed the animals by any means. But I know. I get what you're saying. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, discrediting what happened to Cassie at all. Because that was absolutely horrible. I would hope not. Horrible, horrible, horrible. So, um... And I just lost my spot. Okay. He left with his mommy. So yeah, she had decided to stay put. So after Matt's departure, the power was again um, cut off, turned off, whatever. And she was attacked by Tori and Brian, who had snuck back into the house through a previously unlocked door. Which Brian unlocked while they were there earlier. Yep. And they had been hiding out in the basement. Uh, They changed into all black clothes and had Halloween masks covering their faces. 
after they had stabbed her 30 times. 30 times. Jesus. 12 of them being potentially fatal. They exited the house and drove out to a rural area to get rid of the evidence. Now, after they had killed her, they videoed her or themselves themselves like afterwards saying immediately after what a rush it was and how it happened so fast it didn't seem real uh uh-huh then adam chick was like we gotta get our shit together get our story straight and blah 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 and that will come out here shortly so cassie's body actually was not discovered for two days yep on sunday september 24th yay september (laughs) her aunt allison uncle frank and a 13 year old cousin um returned home returned home and the 13 year old cousin whose name could not find was the one to find Cassie's body in the living room. I cannot even imagine. Walking into that scene? Yeah, right. me neither. And both, that would be scarring as hell. I know. And, to say the least. Yeah. And as such, um, both Allison and the 13-year-old, sorry, couldn't find a name uh sunk into a deep depression so bad that allison lost her job and the cousin of and cassie's cousin had actually attempted suicide poor thing i know and uh the Contreras family that's um her cousins uh they had attempted to sell their home several times over the years just to get away (laughs) from the pain of basically living in a crime scene dude i'm with them man I, I've always said, natural causes or not, I don't want to live in a house where I am fully aware of what happened. Right. And that somebody died there. I don't need anybody, anybody's ghosts floating around going, boo. It's like, I would be... Or, be, or some sort of spirit that's like, like pissed off. And If I love the house enough, maybe I could sage the shit out of it. Maybe. Smudge it. Smudge it. But get can, it. Ugh. Blessed. Whatever. But... Can you freaking imagine, like, a murder house like that? Ugh. And and yes, I, I'm a chicken shit where it comes to that. No, Sorry, I, guys. I totally believe that, like, the more violent the murder, the, the more likely angrier, there's a spirit that's trapped there. And the angrier the spirit. And they're going to do shit. Neighbors making kissy faces at the dog. <laughs> She's a pretty girl. So, um, and I guess even the new owners, when it did sell, didn't stay long. So, um, it kind of seems to me that maybe there's a bit of a haunting there. Yeah, I guess uh, I would anticipate that being the reason as well. Because, I mean, you know how it is when somebody goes into a home and they encounter shit and they're like, oh, yep, bye. I don't right. care if I lose my money. I'm out. Exactly. Not and, today, Satan. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, considering the violent death that happened. Maybe. Maybe not. I mean, who's to say? Maybe they psyched themselves out. 
Who Maybe knows? nothing happened at all. We don't know. We don't know. We will probably never know because we are never moving to Pocatello, Idaho. <laughs> yeah. To live in that house. It's not so. exactly the destination of choice for me, dog. No. No offense to anybody from Pocatello. No. None, none at all. I hope you don't take it that way. No. So, Amber, why don't you tell us about the investigation? I am going to go ahead and do that. However, I am going to go ahead and pause for our uh, our little ad break. Station identification time. Woo-woo. And you'll hear our little ad from Anchor, who are our sponsors. And then we will Check be back with the second half of this episode. So stay tuned. Please. Hello, and welcome back to the Truly Twisted Minds podcast. I'm Amber. And I'm Trish. And I am just going to go ahead and jump right on in and move forward in our episode regarding Tori Adamchik and Brian Draper. So at this point, we are at the investigation process. They've discovered Cassie's remains and discovered her brutal murder. So now they're trying to um, focus on some suspects. And of course, the first person they think of is her boyfriend, Matt Beckham. Because he was the last one to see her alive. He was the last one that was with her before she passed away. So Mm -hmm. of course, they were curious. So they brought him in for questioning and they said he seemed like he was being honest enough, but they were kind of weirded out by the fact that he didn't show any emotions in the slightest. I mean, you would think, I mean, yeah, maybe they were only dating five months, but this is his girlfriend. Right. He had just been with her the night before. Mm-hmm. He had been concerned about staying with her because she was scared. Right. And, and he left and she was killed. Ends up dead and You'd think he'd have some sort of emotions going on here. No emotion whatsoever. I don't know if he was just trying to do the whole stiff upper lip thing in front of other men, be tough guy, or what, but they just found it odd. Yeah. So I find it odd as well. Um they found that a little suspect. It's a little sus. Suspicious, as another true crime person would say. Mm-hmm. Hello, Bailey. We love you, Bailey Sarian. <laughs> anyway, um, they would um, end up having him come in a second time, and his story remained the same, but they did ask him to take a polygraph test. Now, again, despite his lack of emotion on everything, his story remained consistent, and he passed the polygraph test. So, with that being said, they kind of cleared him from the suspect pool. Now, in his um, interview, Matt had stated that Brian Draper and Tori Adamchick had been over. So, of course, they were the next two suspects. Yes. Now, putting it out there, they were both in a question multiple times. I keep saying interviewed, but I guess same thing. Yeah. Um. Brian and Tori both at first stated that they had been over. They had left after a half hour saying they were going to a movie. Mm-hmm. And they attended the movie. Then they returned to Adam Chick's house and they stayed there for a bit. 
And then they went over to sleep at Draper's house. And they were both consistent in that story, but the cops weren't buying it because they didn't really... They couldn't really uh, talk about the plot of the movie or how they felt about it. And they felt that was weird because both Brian and Tori were like supposedly really into these horror movies and they're movie buffs and they had strong opinions and i had said what movie it was earlier and now i can't remember what it was now what movie that they said that they were gonna go see pulse thank you yes yes never saw it so they did end up questioning them again Now, Brian had both his second interview and his third interview before they questioned Tori the second time. So they brought, uh, they talked to Brian again and instead of, they kind of poked poked at him saying, hey, you know, it's kind of weird that you can't talk about this movie. Mm -hmm. So this time he said that instead of going to a movie, they just made that up and they were going around like neighborhoods trying to break into cars and steal things. However, they couldn't get into any cars because they weren't unlocked or whatever. Okay. Yeah. And they basically were like, yeah, we weren't anywhere near the crime. You know, we didn't go back to the house. We don't know what happened. We just know that, you know, she died. But they brought, they uh, talked to Brian the third time. And his tune changed. He became a little songbird. He uh, was noticeably emotional at this interview after he was read his Miranda rights. Crying. Yeah, he was crying. And he was read his Miranda rights and agreed to be questions um, questioned without the presence of an attorney. Mm. Or he, his parents even, right? Yeah, his parents. Were, I don't believe his parents were in the room either. Um, so Brian then stated that he and Tori went into the house First to scare both Matt and Cassie. And I mean, it's then, one thing to scare someone, but to take it to the next level of, like, actually killing mm-hmm. someone. It's like, wow. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. No, it's fine. And um, they even actually intended to kill them both. But then they found out Matt was leaving, so they just waited till he left. And then they flicked off the lights and made noises again once Matt was gone to right. freak Cassie out. Trying to get her to come or go down to the basement, but she didn't, so they came upstairs. Correct. So they come upstairs and enter the living room, and he says Cassie stands up and says, who are you? And I'm going to kick your ass, or some to, something to that extent. Mm-hmm. And he states that... Um, Tori Adamchick is in front of him. And she... she <laughs> He begins stabbing Cassie. And... At first he didn't believe it. And he said he was in shock. He thought it was all a prank. And then he realized that they, uh, there was actual wounds happening. So he freaked out. And then he said that Tori ended up stabbing. Stabbing her and making sure she was dead. And then they mm-hmm. booked it out of there. And then they uh, ended up changing out of their clothing and 
hiding the stuff in mm-hmm. Black Rock Canyon. They attempted to burn it. Right. And then they buried it under um, dirt and different type of debris. And can I just say real quick, I thought it was really kind of weird how in that one documentary that we saw. Um, Brian? The, no, the name of the documentary. I'm, it's, I'm blanking. Oh, uh, Lost for Life. Lost for Life. Check it out on YouTube. It's really, really good. It's interesting. It's very yes. interesting. And it kind of gives you more of an in-depth idea of their, like, personalities. Their mindset and everything. Um, Brian had actually made this statement that kind of stuck with me. How he said that when the murder was happening... He didn't remember Cassie screaming, but he hears it in his head. Right. Right. And he says that, if I remember, they said she screamed before, before it happened. It happened, but she, but didn't, she didn't scream during the act. Nope. And yet he hears that scream when it replays in his mind. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously this whole thing stuck with him. Yeah. And... The man is obviously very remorseful. Not that it excuses anything. No. And he doesn't excuse himself either. Nope. He does not. He takes full responsibility and good for him. I'm I'm glad that he did that. At least one of them does. Right. Anyway, so after he makes a statement, he leads the police to the evidence of their crime. And they dig up the knives and the clothing and the videotape, which they had all buried up there. And the masks and all that jazz. Yep. So after his admission and after leading them to everything, he was arrested and charged with a crime. Yep. At that point, they brought Tori Adamchick back in and questioned him again. This was his second interview. Mm Mm-hmm. And at first he was trying to stick with the breaking into cars story because they asked him about the night and he brought it up because obviously they had planned that both of them were going to say this when they were questioned again. Right. However, the police kind of said, well, yeah, no, that didn't happen. We have all of your hidden stuff. All the stuff you tried to hide, all the evidence you tried to get rid of. And we know what happened. So, at this time, his father asked him if it was true, and he nodded, yes, and they asked okay. for an attorney. Now, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so he did that, and yet they're still defending that little puke? <laughs> yes. So, in this Lost for Life documentary, oh. the parents of Tori Adamchick are adamant that he didn't do anything it was all brian draper he's a little innocent guy that's in jail for something he didn't do blah 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 now mind you in the transcripts and videos of this interrogation Mm -hmm. he nods to his father saying yes it's true did they forget that little point i think they're in uh denial you know how they say it's not just a uh, river. <laughs> yeah. 
anyway. So they then arrested Tori Adamchick as well. Mm-hmm. They both boys got um, separate attorneys and their lawyers both asked that they be tried separately, which the courts agreed to. Mm-hmm. And then didn't they start pointing the finger at each other? Yes, they were pointing the finger at each other. And at that point, during I believe it was during the trial that Brian finally admitted that he did stab Cassie, but he stated it was because he was afraid of Tori Adamchick turning That's on right. him. That's right. And he said he stabbed her four times, but that, you know, yeah, Adamchick finished the job. Yep. So they were both tried and charged with first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder. And they were both convicted of each crime. And both of the boys were sentenced to life without possibility of parole. Mm -hmm. And they've both appealed it a few times. And despite those appeals... They remain in jail in the Idaho State Correctional Institution. In they're in they're like housed in different units in the same in the same uh, correctional facility. Yeah. God, I can only imagine if they like saw each other. I don't think that would go over well. Well, I I'm pretty sure they do because in the interviews in that uh, Lost for Life. Mm-hmm. Uh, documentary you hear Brian saying that he sees that Tori is kind of at the same same uh, mindset he was when he was incarcerated when he first on uh, his first day on there day one. Okay. like he hasn't gotten past the oh you know I'm just you know I was just there I'm just innocent I didn't do anything wrong blah 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 yeah. he despite all of the evidence Despite all of the sick and depraved things we see him say on those videotapes. He's still not taking responsibility. He he takes no responsibility and his parents aren't helping. No. They're giving him the ability to continue lying to totally, himself. Totally enabling. They are giving him the rope to continue lying to himself and lying to them. Just because they can't they can't swallow the fact that their kid is a murderer plain and simple they both are they committed a horrible crime Mm -hmm. they hurt this poor girl they killed this poor girl yeah after terrorizing this poor girl yeah and they intended to do it to other people but they freaked out after they did the first one that's that's the only thing that stopped them i think i think so too i think they freaked themselves the fuck out yep pardon my language and that's what stopped them totally then they decided oh we got to get rid of the evidence yep and then we'll uh well you know what feign ignorance and you know what they say when you commit a murder you make at least 500 mistakes mm-hmm. supposedly so i hear supposedly but but remember they're gonna be smarter than bundy and the hillside right. strangler and ed gein uh-huh. and blah 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 uh-huh. and nobody was gonna find this these tapes or whatever until after they died yep it's like it's way different talking about murder than actually com- committing it i can't it. imagine 
I cannot imagine, despite how interesting the subject is, the true crime murders and things like that are to me. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine taking someone's life. No. With my own hands. Absolutely not. Unless my life was on the line and I saw no other way out. That would be the only way. That would Self-defense. That would be the only way. It would have to be, I'm dead if I don't do this. Yeah. Otherwise, no. I can't just think, oh, huh, this person looks great. How about I see how it looks when I bash their head open? Right. I'm just not built that way. No. And, you know, our whole point of doing the podcast is to get inside the mind of the killers. And in this instance, it's like... I mean, a lot of the cases, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, you're fine. A lot of the cases that we cover, there is some indicator in mm-hmm. their childhood. Like, they've been abused or they've sustained. You can sustained. kind of see why they went down the road that they did. Yeah. They've sustained physical or emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. They've had an injury, you yep. know, yep. things of that nature. But by all accounts, these boys were not that. No. They like were, you said, I think they it were was, bullied teens or felt disenfranchised it and was wanted a attention. Perfect storm. I think, like I think you said it perfectly. Them becoming friends mm-hmm. enabled each other to take the extra step. I guess, like the scary movies, like you know the Columbine, the Columbine murders. Ugh. Yeah, that blew my mind when I first heard that. That they idolized him, them. Yeah. Like, and the way he spoke about it in that documentary, how Brian Draper spoke about it, he's like, Mm -hmm. I saw myself in them and I just saw how they took control and they weren't going to be ignored. Everybody was going to see them. Yeah. And And that's how I felt. I, I see that footage of them walking down that hallway. The Columbine? Yeah. And I I remember watching that live. I, that was fucked up i cannot remember um if that was during their movie that they made or if that was on the surveillance but it just it gives me chills uh no that was in the surveillance that was after they'd um i believe they were on their way to the library or they just left the library oh shit. no that was i remember seeing that during the wow footage of the crime happening in progress yep we're aging ourselves a little bit but whatever (laughs) a little bit but but yeah just the fact that they could idolize anybody like that and think that they should aspire to be like them mm -hmm. i mean i get teenagers are all all messed up especially in their formative years when they feel like everybody thinks they're nothing right i get it who was it one of them had actually gone to therapy was it brian it was brian i i think he had gone to or he had asked to go to therapy. Yeah. He'd he had asked to go to therapy. Because they were, um, they had um, played a conversation between he and his folks. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I asked, she was like, well, why didn't you tell us? You know, why did you think you couldn't talk to us? He's like, I did. I told you that I wanted to go to therapy. And she was like, you did? He's like, yeah, don't you remember? And she's like, no. No. <laughs> it's like, yikes. So, I mean, obviously he, in his, in his mind, he knew he wasn't thinking right, but for whatever reason, she didn't catch the signals. Nobody caught the red flags. They nope. were throwing up, and it all ended with this tragedy. Yeah. 
But yeah, that's definitely a really good documentary, mm-hmm. Lost for Life. And Absolutely. you can find it on YouTube. It's free. Yep. Just do a search for it. Yep. And it's you'll only find about it. an hour long and it talks about a couple of other um like two or three other cases, I kids think. Kids that had gotten convicted at like 16, 17. Yeah. And I hadn't heard of any of the other cases. Mm-mm. But that was very interesting. And the one I could kind of understand, but we, I'm not going to bring that up here yeah, in case no. we decide to nope. try to delve in and cover him at some point. Nope. But yeah, go watch it. Yes. We encourage that. Yes, it was really good. And yeah, I guess at this point, we're going to throw it back to you guys. Uh, what are your thoughts on the case? Do you think it's fair that the boys are locked up for life? Do you, do you think, think there should be any leniency based upon the people they are now? Mm-hmm. Do you think they should stay there until they are old and gray and ready to go in the grave? Let us know. Um, hit us on our Instagram or our Twitter. Tell us what you think of these episodes. Tell us what you um, your impressions are of the cases. Mm-hmm. What you Let would do, how you, you would feel. Yeah. Also, give us ideas on future If there's episodes. something you want to hear us talk about, let us know. We'll be more than happy to add it to our list. We would love to hear it. Um, and speaking of which, our next episode is going to drop on October 10th. Well, we'll record it on October 10th. It'll be right around the 10th and 11th. Yep. Depending on when we get it finished and edited and all that jazz. Yes. And we will be discussing the Craigslist killer, Philip Markov. Oh boy, that should be a fun one. Yeah. So until then, we hope you have a great couple of weeks and we will see you soon. Stay safe. We love you all. I'm Amber. I'm Trish. And we're signing off. Bye. Bye.